This is a Run Pod Option. I'm Marty. I'm Kyle. Follow us on Twitter at Run Pod Option or email us runpodoption at gmail.com. If you're listening and enjoy the show, please take a second to subscribe. If you got iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to throw us a rating or review. Kind of helps us out. You may notice that there is a voice missing, which is Jeff, because he's actually doing an on-site with UNLV right now, getting some deets for us. Gambling a lot, probably. He's got to be least likely to gamble. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Penny slots. He's on the penny slots, 100%. So what we did was we invited our friend Corwin from the Juicing the Numbers podcast. Corwin, say hi. How's it going, guys? It's going great, brother. I'll pull the cliche. I'm very happy to be here tonight. <laughs> you know what? Thank you, for, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Corwin, you want to tell us about yourself a little bit? Yeah, so I am a student over at the Pennsylvania State University. Um, I've been doing the Juice in the Numbers podcast with Josh since about January, so I guess uh, about nine and a half months now. Uh, we've been talking about doing stuff like that um, for years, and this is kind of our first foray into the experience, or actually our second foray. And we talk a lot of baseball, we talk a lot of football, we dabble in hockey, and we try to really add some nice statistical flair to it all. And we have a really fun time doing it. So if you really like these guys, but you want to find a friend that you might like a little more, why don't you check us out? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a solid pitch. When Josh was on our Sports Trebuchet podcast, he did not have as good of a pitch. You nailed it. You need to be the PR. For once in my life, I'm finally speaking a little bit more eloquently than Josh does. It's nice. Which is very rare. So typically on the show, Corwin, we go through the week that was in college football, talk about a different, you know, some statistics, some notes, the statistics part, I'm sure we'll scratch an itch for you. And then we're going to make our <laughs> picks at the end of the show. But I wanted to kind of start. So week, week three, like low key sucked, right? We all kind of knew it was going to suck. Yeah. It- it's always that lull every year where it's like there's always a good game like week one, maybe week two, and then you're finally back in the rhythm of college football and it's like, oh great, Alabama's playing some FCS school I literally have never heard of before. This is Right, or like a really bad boring. South Florida State like just absolutely hammers like a Division two school. Doesn't Alabama only play FCS schools like the week right before the end of the season? Right before they play Auburn? Yeah, right before they play Auburn, they always <laughs> save one of their non-conference games to just absolutely demolish some buttercup school. And- well, it depends how you define it, too, because when they hammer, like, a New Mexico, it's just like, well, technically, it's not. <laughs> but when they schedule Norfolk State. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually a women's-only school, so this is going to be a rough <laughs> game to watch. Yeah, this is going to be they, – they've only got 10 players. It's really going to be upsetting. I watch well, Carly Lloyd is their kicker. <laughs> they just keep lining up for field goals as soon as they get the ball. Fair catching everything. <laughs> the Miami of Ohio head coach talked about their game with Ohio State this coming weekend, and he said, you know, it's kind of like just going to recess, but the other team has the first 85 picks, and that's kind of how it is for Bama for uh, almost every game they play that's out of the SEC. A, a really funny detail from that quote, they went to uh, 247, which is the big composite recruiting website that uh, – colleges use and whatnot and 71 players on the ohio state roster are rated higher than miami of ohio's top rated player they have a walk-on that's higher rated than miami's highest rated player oh no <laughs> god i hope miami of ohio wins here's a real question was sean mcveigh rated higher as a receiver going to miami of ohio Actually, it was on this Ohio State team right now. If he has a recruiting profile, I've never seen it, and I want to so bad. And it would have been just at the beginning of those 24-7 profiles, too. Oh, my God, he does. Oh, no. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, man. All right, so Sean McVay, uh, he's from Atlanta, Georgia, was an athlete, so he didn't have a specific position. 5'11", 170 pounds, graduated high school in 08. He was a two-star athlete, which basically means he's not considered a Division One level prospect. That's what two-star means. Which means he's all-conference at Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to laugh at that until Penn State is upset by Iowa in <laughs> Iowa this year, and then I'm going to cry. He was the 2,041-ranked prospect, the 121st-rated recruit in Georgia, and the 109th-rated athlete. Well, joke's on everybody else, I guess. Yeah, seriously. Do the notes on him say that he has a high football IQ? <laughs> there aren't any notes here uh, because I don't think anyone was alive this far this uh, far back in time. Uh, no, no, works one, there. no one was alive. No, no one, yeah, no, no one was alive. No one was alive. The fact that he graduated high school in 08 is sickening. Is that right? No, no. He's 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 my age, dude. So he graduated high school in 03, 04. Maybe it was college in 08? Yeah. So his experience is 2004 to 2008. But his class was 2004, so that just screwed me up a little bit. Because they have the experience right underneath the high school listing. So, thanks a lot, 24/7. How great would a uh, Miami of Ohio's 2020 hindsight be if they literally just recruited this kid just to coach their team at 18 years old out of high school? Yeah, he's a grad <laughs> assistant after college, and he's like dominating uh, the MAC afterwards. Just consistently and he still misses ben roethlisberger because it was the year before he grad he uh, got there <laughs> i love this you attended a disgusting game that was masked Ugh. by a rivalry the last Ugh. pit penn state game ever apparently right supposedly uh currently on the books it is the last pit penn state game i know there have been talks about making it be a neutral site location just so that Pitt is more likely to accept it for all the shit that Pitt talks to Penn State they just are refusing to play us again so eat shit Pitt whatever that's, that's so on brand for Pitt yeah exactly <laughs> fuck you Pat Narduzzi man come oh, on fuck him I really was hoping that you're gonna tell me that the reason they're gonna not play this anymore is because Pitt was just disbanding their football team and that would be beautiful See, I don't know. That's that's a lot of mixed emotions for me because on the one hand, Pitt not having a football team is fantastic and truly hilarious. But at the same time, there's no more losses to make fun of them for. You know? When they exist, they suck and it gives me a constant enjoyment or I could just watch them literally die in front of me as a, you know, as a football team. It's kind of like, do I want the lump sum? Do I want an annuity? Either way, I'm wi- winning the lottery, but how do I want my money? So at, at what at what point in that game, when you were attending, did you feel good about the game? Um, man. You went for the field goal? Yes, with like six seconds left. That's when I was like, okay, this is a good game. I don't know. Halftime... I was so just to clarify, at no point was I ever like really stressed out that we weren't gonna, you know, win this game. But at the same time, there really wasn't ever a point where I was confident, like, okay, this game is in the bag. Uh, there was one Devin Ford run early on in the game where it was just it was pouring rain. There was a forty minute rain delay to start the game. Uh, we were huddled up in one of the tunnels going out into the student section, just packed like if you ever saw the movie dunkirk them like on the beaches like that or uh, the battle of the bastard it was like that standing in this tunnel for 40 minutes with a bunch of drunk college students is that disrespecting our troops by comparing uh, a weather delay to the store to the, the normandy beach invasion um no this was much worse <laughs> because, because it was on the other side yeah, because, well... You could call him Pitler. <laughs> oh, you could. Is that what... Is Pat, that Mar- Pat Narduzzi is Pitler. That's perfect. All right, I, if we ever play them again, I have some beautiful signs for game day. Chef kiss. God, if game day makes that the game, then it's a slow week. Going all the way back, uh, there was a Devin Ford run early on in the first quarter or first half. I don't remember. Again, I was drunk during all this. There was just a beautiful run right as he got towards us, and I believe he got tackled at like the 10, 15-yard line. The clouds parted, and the sun came out, and it was like, ah, yes, this is a Pitt-Penn State game, and shit's going to go down. It was beautiful. So so did you – Pittsburgh, to me, is always super interesting, and there's a lot, of, a lot of other college football podcasts that joke about it because they're perennially bad – but they've always got, they call them the, the pit super weapon. 
and they're just charging and charging and they keep charging and eventually they'll play a number two ranked Clemson team and beat them. (laughs) But when they beat them, it's never them just smoking Clemson or them just smoking Miami. They still played the ugly pit, like two turnovers, (laughs) tripping over their own shoelaces, but yet somehow end up with a win. That's how I felt like from the little of this game that I watched, it felt like it was that they just drag everybody down to their level. It's hard to say because it's such a big rivalry. These games always kind of end up being a slugfest, not a positive slugfest, like slugging through the mud kind of deal. Um, Until we went 51 to six, like last year, no big deal. But (laughs) yeah, it's just one of those times where it's like, oh man, the officiating is bad. They're just, they're attacking our weaknesses. They know what they are. It, like we're having miscues on defense, miscues on offense. It's just not ever firing on full cylinders when we play pit. And I think they just have that effect on teams. I think that's why we play them like week three, week four, early on in the season so that they don't have a chance to build up and unload on us like they do with Clemson a couple of years ago. Right, having just a year a year of uh, sandbagging until they eventually unload the weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like moderately figuring out like what they should be doing. Yeah, I mean there was there was a ton of just maddening stuff going on all game, whether it be missed calls, bad calls, just sloppy play, sloppy alignments on defense, like having outside linebackers cover their speediest outside receivers, just mind-blowing even from the stadium or from the uh, seats in the stadium um it's it's just ugly all around yeah, it's not a, not exactly a recipe for success when you have a guy running a 4-9 against a guy running a 4-3 over and over again which could have led to why pittsburgh threw for what was it 300 and 72, 72 yards. yards yeah it's a kenny pickett to his credit he had some beautiful throws uh i remember there was one where the tight end basically was just doing a, a slight nod route up the seam and the safety was running basically in a straight line from where the quarterback was to where the tight end was running. So there was no open window and he just drops it right over the safety shoulder into his hands. We were basically in the far end zone behind the quarterback and it didn't even look, it looked like it went through the defender. Because of the angle. Like, like it was just such a perfectly placed football. ball. And of course, all the students and all the fans are like, ah, f- fuck, they just got a good play. That sucks. But like everyone I was standing there with was like, whoa, shit, man, that was a pretty fucking good throw. We'll give them that one. Like, damn. Like, we can't even boo them for something like that. It's frustrating when your 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 hated rival comes out and does something incredibly beautiful in, in mm. any sport. <laughs> and you're just like, well, Fuck, that was a really good home run. Man, that was an incredible catch. I just want to say, like, looking at the stats in front of me, looking at Kenny Pickett throwing, you know, 35 for 51, 372 yards, you glance down and look at their run game where they had 25 carries for 24 yards, and it's like, oh, now that's why they scored 10 points. That makes more sense. (laughs) It's, It's unbelievable that they had that little of a running game. Well, that's what they've been known for too that's Pitt's thing yeah like they had guys like James Conner there who just would bulldoze everyone he was such a good college running back absolutely tore apart Penn State and now Allison last year he was fine oh yeah he got drafted pretty like day three somewhere like that yeah he's he's in Atlanta he's, Quad, he's what was it Quadri Allison yeah easy name to say. Uh, he was he was a speedster he we were able to contain him a little bit last year, but he still had a day against us. So moving on from El Asico Northeast, uh, we'll just jump straight to the college game day game of the week into El Asico. Did we see how this one ended? Because I've never seen a game end so perfectly for what the tone of the game was. Iowa was up one point and they punted the ball. I think there was about a minute and a half left. And Iowa State's punt return unit, just absolutely beheaded their own punt returner, and they fumbled the ball, allowing Iowa to recover and seal the win. <laughs> and, and if you haven't seen the hit, and listeners, if you haven't seen this hit, it wasn't like a bump, excuse me, oh, I'm sorry, you dropped the football. It was a body shot. It was He, w- he had everything behind him when he hit the return guy. 
Like if if that was an Iowa player who did that, that would have been a 15 yard penalty. Oh, it's targeting. Like it was. 100%. It might it have been bad. targeting. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't targeting. I'm watching the play right now. He hit him basically with his chest, but it absolutely would have been a huge penalty. I feel like the Halo rule should apply to both teams, right? Like if you if you do something that bad, you should be punished extra for it. Absolutely, that guy's going to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> the other guy's going to enter the IR. he's gonna end up like you freeze in the seat of the week just seat of the week yep and actually let's go ahead and let's go ahead and segue to the seat of the week we know we know about you freezes week one hospital bed we know about his week two dentist chair (laughs) are y'all aware of what he used in week three no what did he use in a in a win against buffalo he had a you know in nascar when the pit like the pit crew leader is kind of on those like elevated, those elevated, uh, God, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a, just a, a giant table. Like it's what you walk across at like a high school graduation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, or, or better yet, whenever you're going into bleachers at a high school game, you take those steps up and that's the first level before you start climbing mm-hmm. up the stairs. That's like the, it's, it's, that's basically what he was sitting on in an office chair. Jesus Christ. And when he got up and he stood up, he had one of those walkers with the tennis balls in the front. <laughs> no kidding. And did he actually? Yes, he did. And what I'm <laughs> what I'm asking both of you guys to do is predict what he's going to be using next week. I'm still pushing for the race car bed at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I really want that to happen. Uh, or maybe, maybe he'll like evolve into a Segway so he can actually move around the, the uh, sideline or the booger mobile. Ooh, the booger mobile. Please do not put him in the booger mobile. Oh my God. <laughs> Corwin, what do you think? Banished. I think they're going to basically just ratchet strap him to a base or like a backboard and just prop him up against like a wall or a fence somewhere and just let him coach like that. Like he's laundry drying. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the uh, EMCs come over they basically strap him to the board, and instead of putting him in the ambulance, they just kind of like lift him up and leave him there. Just to, they, they put two like bricks in front of the feet so it doesn't slide out from underneath them. Exactly that. Maybe they take a cue from WC, WCW and make it like Judy Bagwell on a forklift. Ooh, that ooh, a, fork, <laughs> a forklift would be a good play. <laughs> but actually, tie him to it and see if some one of his players can climb up there and rescue him. That's important. I think I'm going to take the over here, and I'm going to say that it's going to be a big Jesus mech suit. (laughs) Hear me out on this. What if they strap him to the back of the quarterback and just let him coach from like a backpack, like Yoda on Luke? And instead of instead of the microphone and headset, they just have two cups and string tied to the helmet of his mouth. And the helmet, like the can, is just like taped to the outside of the helmet. It's one of the old metal cans, so he has to be really careful not to cut his. Yeah, lips. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or something incredibly inefficient, where where Hugh Freeze is actually wearing the wrist guard that has the plays <laughs> on it, and the quarterback has to reach around and like pull it, pull his arm back, and rip off the uh, little protective cover so he can actually see what the plays are. You know what if. When you guys invited me onto this show, I did not think we'd be getting to a point where we would be discussing Hugh Freeze getting a reach around. But here we are. <laughs> it's kind of on brand. It really, it's incredibly on brand, especially for Kyle and I. Usually Jeff can rein us in a little bit, but this is what it's happens. It's also when kind you of on brand Vegas. for Hugh Freeze. It, oh my right? god, like, it's absolutely on brand for Hugh Freeze. Do you think fans at Ole Miss are like sitting here watching this and just like? Man, I'm not missing this attention we have on us back when we had Hugh Freeze here. Yeah. Like, damn. Moving on from Mech Suit Freeze. Uh, I have a couple notes from this week, and stop me if you've got anything to add to it. Florida beat Kentucky. Felipe Franks got knocked out of the game. He got a dislocated ankle, which sounds incredibly painful. Ugh. But. That's that's a rough injury. But they brought There's in their a backup. There's a golfer. Uh, Tony Fianu, if you want to see what a dislocated ankle looks like, go look up what his look like. It is I, ugly. I won't. I heard about I heard about him like yeah, doing that, but I don't want to see that ever. So Felipe Franks gets knocked out and Dan Mullen calls on fourth year junior Kyle Trask. He leads him to the comeback victory. 
Uh, but what's really interesting about Kyle Trask is he has the most Matt Castle storyline ever. He got signed as a two-star from Manville, Texas, and he never started a game in high school. The reason why is because he sat behind Eric King, okay. which is awesome. But he's now a fourth-year junior, finally getting a call, and they were down 21-10, to 10, and they ended up winning that game, which I thought was a pretty cool note. Uh, that's a pretty cool story. UCF played Stanford. This is one of the games that Kyle, none of us picked UCF to, none of us picked Stanford to cover the spread, rather. And they definitely did not. UCF <laughs> just ran, UCF just ran the absolute show and beat them by 18 points. It was not that close. No, no. Stanford got just the doors blown off of them. Their freshman quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, finished 22 for 30. 347 yards and four touchdowns. The interesting fact I had here is this is the first regular season game Stanford had ever played in Florida. Really? Ever. They played four games in Florida, and three of them were bowl games. Damn. It just seems crazy. How does that, like, not happen? I mean, Stanford is a old, old college with a lot of history. Like, I don't know how... What do you have against Florida? Yeah. I mean, Stanford probably has enough self-respect to not want to visit Florida a whole bunch. <laughs> we are literally too good for the state of Florida. Yeah. We are Stanford. Do you know who we are? They, in fact, <laughs> refuse to recruit out of Florida. Well, that, that explains a lot about Stanford lately. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas beat the breaks off of Boston College. It's their first, Thank you. their first road win against a P5 team since 2008. Hey, man, Les Miles, he's the real deal. I know people joked a lot about him going to Kansas, but at the end of the day, he's still a good coach. I think there's a conversation to be had about guys like him and Mac Brown. And, and honestly, her, what Herm Edwards is doing at Arizona State, where that, that weird general manager style of coaching Especially with the NFL, it seems like we're getting further and further away from it. And that's probably because people stopped hiring, or they for so long they hired coordinators, right? So you're always getting these, these the Narduzzi types, honestly, that are, that are defensive coordinators, mm-hmm. and they never really fix one side of the ball. And he's still probably taking a huge part of his schedule and working on the defense. Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury is a great example. Uh, I mean, seriously. He's a, Excuse he's me, a I just had a little example. cough there. And and at Texas Tech, he had, I think, three defensive coordinators in his time there. And up until the end, there wasn't any progress. And I think they got like 80th in S&P Plus last season before they got done. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, listen, I talk about Cliff Kingsbury a lot. I really like him as an offensive coordinator and an offensive mastermind in the vein of Kyle Shanahan but at the end of the day if you expect him to be able to put together an off or a defense of any note you're you're asking way too much of him I think and not to get too sidetracked on the NFL I think one of the underrated things that that hurt coaches like him coming up is in college you can have 20 receivers on that roster to run in and 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 never have to change your formations because you don't have to worry about resting a guy. Because mm-hmm. four wide in the NFL can absolutely work, but you only have so many receivers, and then <coughs> one of those receivers gets injured, and that's one less, you know, five plays that they can take off through a game, and it kind of adds up. Especially so on defense. Like, I know Penn State has three entire defensive lines that they'll rotate through throughout the game, where they'll Basically, we'll just pull the entire defensive line, run a brand new one right out there, and their freshers can be good to go for three, four drives. Obviously, they switch it out a little more than that, but it's everybody's fresh all the time. If if the coach is doing his job right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's probably still some coaches out there in college that that don't do that, and it's probably either your smaller schools that don't have that depth. And honestly your high education colleges like your Stanford's that maybe even Georgia tech that can't really have the depth wise because they can't get the grades. And you'll see all this season 
Alabama struggle a little bit more than usual on defense because they're hurting. They've lost three or four of some of their best players. They're really hurting linebacker right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. their linebacking core is it's not decimated. They still have five stars filling those holes, but <laughs> experience still, still plays a factor, yeah. especially in that yeah. complicated Crimson Tide defense. Are we ready to have the Mountain West and the American Athletic Conference become Power Five conferences because they're five and six against Pac-12 <laughs> this year? <laughs> I think that's more of a conversation of when do we demote the Pac-12 to Group of Five? <laughs> yeah, just turn it to the Power Four and the Group of Six. Exactly. I think that's going to happen in both football and basketball at this point. <laughs> Bad. Hey, man, I go to Penn State. What is this college basketball you're talking about? You're right. I feel like the Pac-12 has issues, obviously, in recruiting. And it's something that we've covered on the show or touched on on the show before. But I'm not sure other than doing something like, and USC lost to Brigham Young, which is a bummer, but doing something that's progressive like that, bringing in an offense on in an old traditional style school, Stanford could take a lesson here, for instance, to try to compete. Because when you have when you have teams like Boise State or San Diego State, teams that aren't doing anything exceptional from a scheme perspective, right? Boise State's not going air raid. They're not doing any gimp I say gimmicky offenses, which is disrespectful, but they're not doing anything that crazy. San Diego State is just running the damn ball, and teams like that being able to beat Pac-12 teams. I don't know where the Pac-12 ends, and oddly enough, I think they have, let me count them, live on air, which is going to be great radio. They have one, they have two, they have three, four, five, six teams in the top 25, AP top 25, Damn. which is which is crazy, right? And that's your that's Arizona, yeah. going, going from bottom to top, that's Arizona State, Cal, Washington, Washington State, Oregon. And then Utah. And they were going to end up cannibalizing themselves. We all know it's going to end up happening. And and it's going to make them look like a weak conference. Three of those teams are about to go 7-5, and 6-6. Six and six. Yes, absolutely. And I think the ACC saw this last year where it's it's nice because you can have, I guess depending on your, you know, your affiliation, but the fact that Arizona State can pull together a 9 or 10 win season akin to the Syracuse turnaround last year and how big of a season they had it. I, I, I like, I think that's good for every conference for there to be a little bit of parody, but the PAC 12 seems excessively parody. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's, it's a tough deal for, for them to, like, I want to see somebody like a Colorado make a move. Absolutely. But I just, I just don't see it. And I just, I, I really want them to. I really want there to be a team out there that, other than USC, that does something in the Pac-12 and actually makes it to the college football playoffs. You know, we had Washington a couple of years ago, but they didn't really give the best showing. And I hate to subscri- subscribe to the uh, to the East Coast bias, but it's a real thing when those games are on at ten thirty at night and half the people in the country can't see them. I was going to say the same thing. Like it, it's hard to recruit players from the East Coast in these, you know, big meccas of high school football, like you know, Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, whatever it may be. When, hey, mom, want to stay up until one in the morning to watch me play every Saturday night? Like, come on, like you don't see those schools normally. You don't think about those schools when recruiting comes around. It's yep. hard when you can only recruit from California, and there's just. Eight schools already in California. Uh, and every East just, Coast school is also recruiting California. Yeah, exactly. When when Clemson and Alabama have their pick of the litter out there too, and, and it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because in, in the late aughts when USC was good and everybody in the Pac-10 at the time was not, it was the argument was they the conference is weak other than USC. And when when their tide went down, the entire Pac-12 seemed to, even with the expansion. And Utah and Washington have kind of stayed the course. They've been consistent, probably the most consistent two programs. Like Washington well, State after, with Mike Leach, too. After USC, though, there was that period of time where Oregon 
was was the, you know uh, was the yeah, yeah there we go i totally blanked on oregon hey kyle can you stop feeling like stop stealing my fucking lines man come on this is getting Can't ridiculous do it. Do back it. to back corwin this is this show <laughs> <laughs> all right you come on my show give me a list of everything you're gonna say it's all mine <laughs> i gotcha <laughs> zero original thought just everything you want to say <laughs> i like it i like it i'll go on there we'll talk about talk about baseball and i'll give you all my talking points right off the bat <laughs> it's just gonna be more yankees talk though you get plenty of that on there oh right? god kill me <laughs> seriously i, I listen I, we I talked about totally Pitt just dissolving we talked about Pitt dissolving as a franchise or as a as a team my life, like forty-five percent of my life, would cease to exist if the Yankees disbanded, just through Josh. Well, I mean, what a dull life that would be then. Eh, you know, the Pirates might be able to get a good player or two every now and again. No, nah, who am I kidding? You can, you can <laughs> do Francisco Cervelli. It'll be fine. Okay, no, moving on. So we've got uh, we've got a quick <laughs> we've got a quick game. We've got a quick game to play, and then we're going to go ahead and go into our Week Four picks. All right, fellas. Perfect. Good deal. So the first game, without looking at schedules, so no cheating, Corwin, because I actually haven't done it either. I'm going to list all the undefeated teams currently, and we're going to pick the f- most likely to lose first. Perfect. Those rules clear, and then we're going to do just the one. Just yeah, we're going to just the the one. You know what? Actually, let's. I'm going to change the rules on the fly here because I made them up just five seconds ago, anyways. <laughs> wow. Every team that doesn't have a loss, I'm about to list, and we are going to pick which one of these teams is going to have the worst record at the end of the season. Ooh, I like this. This is fun. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm going to rip them off, and the last one's San Diego State, so you'll know where I'm finished. So we've got Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Auburn, Utah, Central Florida, Florida, Penn State, Boise State, Virginia, Kansas State, Iowa, California, Washington State, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, Memphis, Arizona State, Minnesota, Southern Methodist University, Wyoming, and San Diego State. Man, that was a lot of teams really oh, quick. Oh, God, that's a lot to go over. Yeah, that's a lot of teams really quick. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and eliminate the teams that are definitely not going to have the worst records, okay? So we're going to take out Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, Let's take out – yeah, let's narrow it down to this. Let's narrow it down to Penn State, Virginia, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest, and Minnesota. Those six teams. Who do we think is going to finish with the worst record out of those six teams? Out of the top six undefeated teams currently. Yeah, so just there's, there's, a, there's obviously more than six undefeated, but I'm just picking those six. Because there were so many. And let's go ahead and guess out of Penn State, Virginia, Iowa, Oklahoma State, Minnesota, Wake Forest, which one's going to have the worst record? And and I'm going to go ahead and start and say that Oklahoma State is going to be the team. I might have to go with Minnesota here. It's a really good choice. I think, there's, I think their schedule is just – I haven't looked at their schedule, but just knowing the conference that they play in – Big Ten West is no joke this year. I think – I just don't think that P.J. Fleck has kind of put it all together there yet. I know that's going to be one of Penn State's sleeper games this year, but I, I think Penn State's still going to have no problem with them. Um, but, yeah, I got Minnesota. To justify your pick, P.J. Fleck and Minnesota are 3-0 right now, and that is despite in all three out-of-conference games they've played, they've been trailing with six minutes left to play against San Diego State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern. So I think you've got something there. Not going to lie. like I, I may be a, a stack guy, but uh, that stat doesn't sound great. Just throwing that out there. No. You kind of want to lead <laughs> with six minutes left in the game. Kyle? I, I, yeah, I'm going to go Wake Forest. I don't trust them. I know they just put it on UNC, but I also don't really trust UNC. Give me Wake Forest. They're going to remember that they're Wake Forest by the end of the season. Even the ACC being as weak as it is? Because I, yep. I feel like Wake Forest's got an eight-win season. I think that they got, at the best, a six-win season. I think you're going to see a lot of six-win teams in the ACC. And I could see all of those teams pulling out six wins. 
just eating each other alive. Y- yeah, yeah. Give me wake. Okay, excellent. Uh, I got a, I got a question for you guys on this topic. Okay. For teams outside of the top ten, which team do you think has the best chance of finishing the season undefeated? So we have guys like Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, UCF, Iowa, Washington State, Boise State, Virginia, Cal, Arizona State, TCU. That's a good question. I, w- I would go Washington State. Even, okay. even with the young quarterback, I feel like the Pac-12 is, is going to be the easiest, the easiest pathway there. So the the big thing, so I do have their record in front of them. Washington State does have to play at Utah, at Oregon, and at Washington to close out the year. At Oregon is worrisome, but they have won four in a row against Utah. They kind of have their number. Okay. Give me Boise. Really? All right, so Boise's schedule. We have versus Air Force as one of their toughest games, according to the NCAA. Good one. At BYU and at Utah State. So that's not a tough schedule. BYU is probably the biggest threat. And that's... Yeah. Don't sleep on Utah State. Utah State's got a good quarterback. I do, I do like Jordan Love. It's just um, the rest of Utah State is what worries me. Yeah, especially <laughs> the defense. True. Because they'll let, they'll let some points up on you. God, that's a, that was a better game, Corwin. You should have let off. Yeah. No, right. finished better. We finished better with, with with his game right there. All right. So my my super sleeper pick here is TCU. They have at Iowa State versus Texas and at Oklahoma. I think TCU could pull off some magic here. It's gonna be rough, but if I had to bet money on some crazy odds, I'd go with uh, number twenty five TCU. I think TCU is gonna be. Sneaky good. I think the Big 12 is also sneaky good across the entire conference, minus your Kansas and West Virginia down the stretch. <laughs> I think Kansas State's going to ruin someone's day. I think Texas Tech's got it in them to ruin someone's day. Baylor, like, don't sleep on Baylor. They're they're actually good this year. And they're not like it was, you know, five or six years ago where they were excellent, but they are really, really, really good. Uh, and Baylor and TCU being a big rivalry, even though it's at TCU, stands to reason. And of course, Oklahoma, right? You still got Oklahoma to beat, and, and right now they look like a, mm-hmm. a death machine. They look like you freeze in a mech suit. <laughs> the, that's the ultimate death machine. So we're gonna go picks against the spread here, Corwin. We're gonna do our week four picks. Love it. Uh, we have twelve games. Uh, typically, we do 10 that Kyle and Jeff know about, and then I surprise them with two at the end. You don't know any of them, so just, uh, just <laughs> hold on tight, but I'm recording Buckle up. them. Yep, I'm recording them because Jeff hasn't sent in his picks, and they're going to count towards his record. A quick summary. <laughs> Last week, I went 7-5. and five. Jeff went 6-6, six and six, and Kyle had a... Uh, had a bad week. Yeah, first one of us to go under 500 went 4-8. and eight. Uh, for the week, which is a, a tough one, pal. And so you're saying if I just pick the opposite of what Kyle picks, I'm basically destined to make the playoffs and almost have a bye week. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have, you're gonna like what you're doing right there. <laughs> it's gonna be like Men's Warehouse. You're gonna like the way you look. <laughs> so we'll start at Utah at USC, and Utah are four point favorites, and I've got USC covering. I I I, I want Utah. Give me Utah. Utah to cover and Corwin. Yeah, I'm taking Utah. I just I have no love for USC, and I think four points is generous. I've got a I've got a crush on their offensive coordinator. To be honest, there, Corwin. If uh, <laughs> if if you can't tell after the Kingsbury talk and now Graham Harrell. <laughs> a question for you: Is J T. Daniels still out? Yeah, he's out for the rest of the year. I yeah, think. rest full yeah, season. All yeah, right, it's the Keaton Slovis show. Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis. It's a great. It's a great quarterback name. Truly. No, it's a great shooting guard from Lithuania name. I'll start caring about USC when uh, when Urban Meyer starts ading there. <laughs> but before then, no so, chance. 
It's so great to have a not listener tell us the exact same joke because that's exactly what we've all been <laughs> estimating. Is it? it was definitely a prediction, I think, in our prediction show. We have Appalachian State at North Carolina. North Carolina are three-point favorites. Corwin, who you got? If you asked me this before last week, I would have said, give me Appalachian State, but now I want to say UNC. Why not? I think they showed a little fight there. I think uh, I think they're going to come back out of this loss and just drag some dick over Appalachian State. It's a great great image. <laughs> Mac Brown also likes that, and I'm going to go with that. Okay. Um, yeah, UNC. Well, not to be uh, counter to everything here, but I've got Appalachian State because they're a damn fine program still. Uh, moving on, we've got Oregon at Stanford, and Oregon are 10-point favorites. And Stanford has looked like butt. You know what? Give me Oregon. Stanford has looked like absolute doo-doo. I just I like Justin Herbert too much, man, and I like that offensive line way too much. And their defense hasn't allowed a touchdown since they let Bo Nix throw, uh, throw for that unfortunate one against Auburn. Not too shabby. I feel like I've been burned by picking Oregon this year. I'm going to do it again. Give me a- <laughs> <laughs> That's the spirit. Let the record show that Kyle doesn't learn a lesson. Nope, I'm bad. I'm bad we, at this. We've got Cal at Ole Miss, and Ole Miss are two-point favorites. I don't know how. Give me Cal. I love that secondary. Give me the third pick, which is Hugh Freeze's ghost chair. <laughs> um, give me give, give me Ole Miss actually. Ole Miss to cover. Okay, I'm I guess Ole Miss, Ole Miss covers. Yeah. It's basically a pick up at that point. So. It's at Mississippi. Yeah. We have Michigan State and their high powered offense at Northwestern, and Michigan State are seven point favorites. Give me Northwestern. I want Patty Fisher on my team instead of Brian Lewerke. I'm gonna say Michigan State because I like cell phones. <laughs> it's a bold move. This is gonna be an ugly. This is gonna be an ugly game. It's gonna be I, an awful game. I I want nothing to do with watching that thing. You could pay me enough, but it's a steep price to watch that fucking game. It's gonna be miserable, and I bet you it'll end up raining, just without a doubt. Of course, that's Chicago. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's on par. We've got Auburn at Texas A and M. A and M are favored by four points. Ooh, give me Auburn. Yeah, give me Auburn. Interesting. I've got that D-line, Bo Nix, I like it, man. I don't have much faith in A&M, really, yet. The, the only reason I've got A&M covering is the fact that it is incredibly hard to play at Kyle Field, and I know Bo Nix seems like a... He, he's already played one big game this year. It's different, man. It's going to be so loud there, and I think A&M... I think AM doesn't stomp them, but I think they cover the four. Oklahoma State at Texas. Texas are favored by five points. I'm going to say Texas covers. Yeah, Texas by a mile. I watched way too much of the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game than I, I should have admitted, really, because it, it was poor. <laughs> and it was because it was close. I think it was 21-20 Oklahoma State, like in the third quarter, before they really started pouring it on. It was because you have too many screens. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that's a lot. It's there's four or five at any given moment. I do what I can. I could easily see Sam Ellinger going, you know, four hundred total yards and five touchdowns in this kind of game. Yeah, that's I and I expect it, especially because this is going to be their bounce back from the LSU loss. So they've also had an extra week to prepare. We've got Washington at Brigham Young. And Washington are six-point favorites on the road. Give me BYU to cover. Not to win, but to cover. What was the spread again? Six points. Four. For Washington. Over BYU. Yeah. In Provo. Yeah, I I like Washington too much. I'm going to take Washington here. I want Washington to cover as well. We've got Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin are three-point favorites. I just want to say Jacob Eason gets absolutely no respect. He had one bad week, but he's been lights out 
since it was the week two skip up, right? That he had a really rough game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was against Cal in that secondary. And every right, and everybody has bad games against Cal. Look what BYU has done to national powerhouses in USC and Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, traditionally, the traditional powerhouse <laughs> has no home in Provo. They don't. They don't give a damn who you are. They don't. So Jacob Eason, get out of here. So we'll repeat again. We'll do uh, Michigan at Wisconsin. Wisconsin are three point favorites. Man, this is like the game of the week for sure for me. Um, I can't wait to watch this game. Give me Michigan. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be super close. It's gonna be like a one point game, I think. But give me Wish- Michigan. 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 Give me Michigan. Can't be wrong. That's what Jeff is saying. Kyle, who you got? I got Wisconsin to cover handedly. Really. Really. Ooh. Give me Michigan. I'm usually super high on Wisconsin just because they're always fucking there. But give me Michigan. I think Jonathan Taylor has a day and a half. Mm. I think even if he does have a day and a half, I just I think Michigan will still be there. Like I just Wisconsin's just so one dimensional on offense to me. They've had a week to also figure it out, Michigan, hopefully, to see if yeah. they can they can figure out exactly what they're doing. Because I don't think they've played an entire game where that offense has looked like it's on the same page. They've played halves. Well, they haven't since Harbaugh got there. <laughs> <laughs> They've got Notre Dame at Georgia. Georgia are 14-point favorites. Wow. Give me Georgia. Notre Dame is overrated. Georgia's going to torch them. Even as 14-point favorites? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be embarrassing for Notre Dame. I... Would just I don't know how you could put money on Georgia. Just the spread is massive. I gotta take Notre Dame. Okay. Well, I'm not putting money down. I'm just putting my own pride and credibility down. Which he has very little which left I to begin. None, which I have none. So I mean, I'm playing with house money. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting note from the Notre Dame game, uh, as they just uh, curb stomped New Mexico. They were one for ten on third downs against New Mexico. And they were they had to have five for five on fourth downs to actually run the score up like they did in the sixty six to fourteen win. That's why I've got Georgia because I think their luck kind of runs out with the third down bit. And they didn't really wow me against Louisville either. Uh, I I think they have a complete team though. I mean, I don't think they're ever going to wow anybody and have any like just serious blowout wins where you're like, damn, Georgia looks unstoppable. I just think they're complete enough as a team where they'll put up a fight against just about everyone and hang there with just about everyone. But I still got to take Notre Dame. That spread is crazy. And it's not in the playoffs, so they might have a chance. If it was postseason, <laughs> it might be a different story. So the surprise game, uh, surprise games of the week are first, UNC Charlotte at Clemson. Clemson are 41-point favorites. Oh, give me Clemson. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, give me Clemson. Oh, no. Both of them. So UNC Charlotte has a 46th-rated offense in S&P+. They are really fun this year, actually. So I think that they're going to cover. They're still going to get smoked by 35. I think they score a couple points here and there. They'll outscore a and I'll say that much. Mm. We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll see. This is not what I'm going to put money on then, but um, I'm, it's, I don't know, man. It's Clemson. I could just easily see Trevor Lawrence finally putting it all together this year and just going off for like six, seven touchdowns. Like you said, Trevor Lawrence has – he still makes passes that are just insanely great. But he hasn't looked fantastic, and there's probably not a better defense to go against than UNC Charlotte, who I believe ranks 113th. Like, they're bad, bad. Man, Trevor Lawrence and the basically last-ranked defense in the country. I wonder who's I'm going to put my money on. Mm. It's prime. Listen, it's a, it's a regional rivalry. Uh, Clemson doesn't know it yet. Can you call that a rivalry, though? <laughs> like No. I, 
No. Penn State's not going to go play Kutztown University of Pennsylvania and be like, damn, let's smack these guys, man. Big rivals right here. What is that, Kutztown? <laughs> Kutztown? It's the school of like 4,000 students. It's, it's tiny. It's adorable. And the final game to pick in week four is SMU at TCU. TCU are nine and a half point favorites. Ooh, I mean, I guess I uh, I won't have too much credit to my name if I talk the talk about TCU and then don't pick them to be nine point favorites against SMU. Listen, Shane Bouchelle and that Methodist Mustang offense is probably going to get guys. shut down against TCU. So you're stop stealing right. my lines, man. Come on, <laughs> we have some independent uh, thought over here. <laughs> I mean, I like I like Shane as a quarterback. At SMU, not necessarily Texas, but yeah, I mean, I think TCU is going to just embarrass them this week. I hope not. But I've, <laughs> I've got SMU to cover. Give me TCU. Excellent. Guys, we got our picks for the week. Do you have any last week three thoughts or any thoughts going, coming up on week four? I'm just hoping that Syracuse doesn't embarrass themselves against Wagner. No, against uh, Western Michigan this week. And, uh, yeah. Don't sleep on the Mac. No, I, I that's Craig Mac. Well, I, uh, yeah, Craig Mac. Uh, Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. Yeah, the flavor um, in their ear is actually orange, which is perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping that they recover from the embarrassment of Maryland and the absolute beatdown from Clemson and just move on with their lives and find a way to get to six ones. That's that's what I'm looking for. Um, Penn State doesn't play this week, so I'm probably just going to sit in my living room, drink, and watch college football all day. So I'm here for chaos. That's all I want. Chaos is fun. Chaos is a lot of fun. Team chaos, baby. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us at RunPodOption on Twitter and enjoy week four. And follow at at JuicingPod, JuicingTheNumbers.Wixsite.com slash website. Juicing the numbers, listen to us. Hi, my name is Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And we are the hosts of a statistics and sports podcast called Juicing the Numbers. We cover the NFL, college football, MLB, and the NHL with anything that we like to talk about in between. If you like sports and the numbers behind it, come check out our show, Juicing the Numbers, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at juicing P-O-D.